Hi everybody, it's me, Ryan Moffitt from ROTM Radio. Just wanted to take a moment to let you know that you can download ROTM Radio via the Podbean app, iTunes, Stitcher Radio, Spotify, and many, many more. If you cannot find ROTM Radio via your favorite listening podcast app, just go ahead and pull the RSS feed off of ROTMRadio.com. Hey everybody, it's me, Ryan. Hey, we are continuing the conversation. This is going to be Thrawn Part 2. Thanks for coming back to ROTM Radio. Uh, Myself, Dustin, and Zach are going to be continuing uh, Thrawn Part 2. I hope you enjoy the rest of the conversation. So as I was saying, um, Thrawn's pretty sexy. Like I, I don't know, I don't know what you guys think, but he's banging. <laughs> you were saying that. You've said that from the beginning, Zach. You just—that's all <laughs> I've heard all week. Uh, was how sexy Thrawn was. <laughs> so I, I would like—I would like to say, um, uh, in regards to. Like Thrawn, not like whenever he he defied orders. I always liked how it seemed like it, you know they'd be like, you know, uh, good job, but you know, don't do that again. You know, it's it's always something that like it, it was a really it turned out really well, even though it was a um, how, how do you say it, it was a risky move. I guess. And well, it just went. It just went against the political procedure that kept those people in the position they were in. They, yeah, it, yeah. It, it, it they they set up a political system that kept them being powerful. Real in a lot of ways for no reason. <laughs> you know, it's like it's like so you question our authority, and if people see you question our authority then we lose our and and it works we lose our power so don't do that anymore because yeah. we don't we already don't like that you're an alien and you're doing this but we really yeah, don't an like alien it that we don't know anything about you know like right the wild space people thought you were a, a, a myth <laughs> what are you some are you a pan pan torn with an eye defect yeah and he so what i always found interesting about everything that that went on with this is uh it it was the it, it when i gosh what am i trying to say here um i guess when when it comes to politics it's it's kind of, it's very strange cuz it a lot of this seems to translate in the real world with how politics works is that it's, you know, there are people who, uh, you know, there are, there are genuine people who genuinely care 
about citizens. And then you have people that, you know, there might be a little bit of both, you know, it's about the citizens, but it's also about beating the other person. And whether that's through smear campaigns or whatever other kind of nonsense that, you know, every time you see him, it's always this like guy that's like, this individual hates citizens and they want the terrorists to win. And you're like, oh man, I'm sure that that's 100% factually correct. But <laughs> in Thrawn, you see this where, where like Dustin was saying, I find that interesting. You know, I, I, I didn't even think about it where um, if it, the reason why they probably are okay with the fact that he defied orders is because it ultimately put them in a better spot. And they're like, oh, okay, well, this guy, while we also are kind of like, you know, keeping an eye on him, he did something that brought me fortune of some kind. Yeah. So so, well, so uh, it's worth keeping him around even though he, right. he disobeyed orders, even if the orders well, I, were stupid. I think you see two different people. So I think that the that you see there's, and I, I Ryan would have to help with some of these names, but... I re- there was a part in the book, and I don't remember if it was a senator or a commander or who it was, but there was a guy that actually thought he was like he's doing a really good job, and like encouraged him, encouraged him and Eli to kind of keep it up, and it was like because he saw the big picture, like you uh, said, Colonel really- Colonel Yularen. Yeah, so, I, the, he was the ISB colonel. Okay, uh, which by the way, uh, Colonel Yularen. Is featured in uh, episode four, A New Hope, when the Death Star. Uh, do you guys remember when the the council of people are sitting at the Death Star, and the one dude is like, "We have the most technical power in the universe." Your Vader, you know, Lord Vader, your your sick of uh, obsession with this old religion is blah blah blah, and uh. then you know, and Tarkin's like, "Release him," because he he's choking him or whatever. There's a guy, a really old man with like a white mustache in a, one of the background scenes at that table, and he's wearing a white uniform. That is Colonel Wolf Yularen. Mm. And so Wolf, we will find out that uh, Wolf Yularen died on the Death Star. Uh, but uh, I think what's interesting about uh, Yularen is he is an ISB agent, so that's the um, Imperial uh, Security Bureau. Uh and ISB is kind of like internal affairs with the police department, right? They're trying to uh, they're trying to stop bad Imperials. They're trying to you know they're making sure they're checking up on people, uh, you know, senators who who are who are trying to bribe people, as we see later on uh, with Senator Ranking, you know, uh, right. who Orinda Price has sort of a battle with. Uh, Senator Ranking is going to be arrested by an internal uh, or ISB agent. So that's kind of the how ISB operates. But ISB also does a lot of the. I don't know. It, it's interesting because ISB not only is the like the internal affairs who is going to watch what the military complex does, but also ISB is going to be kind of like the CIA. They're putting people undercover into rebel groups and things like that as well. Uh, but yeah, that's Wolf Ularen. Right. So, and with him, he is, like, he he definitely sees that in Thrawn, and he, he's wise enough to know that. Where the other ones, I I think it's more so, 
again, it's all a you know you and you can see it through a lot of care. Even in this book, you see a lot of characters where their biggest threats are to have you demoted because to them, being a high ranking officer in the empire is like their whole life, and so to them, they they can't afford to really and and I, I this is this would be a good a good illustration of it um for anybody that uh has read much of the uh, our bible where it's kind of like where Jesus would perform some kind of a miracle and it's like the uh the Pharisees or whatever would be like okay we can't they would talk and they would say okay like this kind of makes us look really bad. But if we go out and tell people that this is wrong, they're going to be like, how can you say that healing a blind man is wrong? That's a good thing. So they're like, so how do we do this? How do we silence him without making ourselves look bad? And this kind of reminds me of that, where they don't like what he's doing because they could care less of whether they're actually getting things in the process. They care only about their spot. You know, they think as long as I keep my importance in the military and they'll do anything to keep that. And so it's like, you know, what he's doing is good, but they hate that it's him that's doing the good. They want to be able to take credit. Well, that's the other thing too, is the fact that like he will continuously make, uh, make people look bad and incompetent at their job and he's not it's not his goal to make them right. look bad he's or he's so good that they're like you're the you're the officer that's three ranks above him why didn't you figure that out you know right. it's you've been here for two years on this planet trying to get this done he comes in for two days and gets it done you know that kind of thing well, well, well and it's uh, also cheated <laughs> well, it's also interesting too because uh, they can't they can't do anything directly to Thrawn because technically Thrawn is not breaking any sort of rules. He's breaking unspoken rules of politics, right? He's making right. the people, some of the people that are powerful, uh, he's making them look bad. He's you know he's stepping on toes. Uh, uh, when you look at the history of the Empire, apparently the Empire had a lot of xenophobia. And because I, I guess I guess there was a lot of a lot of thought that uh, humans were targeted a lot more in the Clone Wars uh, than aliens were, and um, so there's a lot of you know there's a lot of unspoken rules as far as aliens can't be high-ranking officers, and here's an alien who is an officer in in the Imperial Navy, which is. I guess it's not unheard of, but at the same time, it's, you know, it's very rare. Right. Uh, well, and so, it was that he was even, mo- and it got worse as he moved up. Well, and it, like, it wasn't even that he was an alien either. It's like he's an alien, but he's also a wild space alien. He's a, he's from out there. He's the outer rim. It's not like, it's not like some of the inner rim systems who were inhabited by aliens might have a little more prestige. No, it's, you know, uh, for example, Masamita. I don't know if you guys know who that is. He is, um, uh, do you guys remember in in the the prequels, the guy who's like blue skin with like blue, like uh, horns coming off of his yes. head that carries yes. the, 
the scepter and stuff like that. So that uh, he was Chancellor Palpatine's um, aide or whatever you want to. I, I don't remember what his actual title is, but he was one of the bureaucrats in in the Republic. Masamita is like the vice is like the is like the vice empire or emperor the entire time <laughs> in the in yeah. the empire. So that is an alien who holds a lot of power even though he was more of a puppet like like he didn't actually have like uh he was I, just, I, guess, I guess it would be sort of like the, me. bring me my it would, tea. It, it would almost be kind of like the fact it's like more like ceremonial power or the look of power but he didn't actually have power. But at the same time, I mean that was that was an alien who was in high standing in the M- imperial system. But Masamita obviously would come from an inner rim, uh, inner rim system, and you know, so it's like not only are you getting shown up, even though it's not his goal. His goal the whole time is I'm going to do what's best for the empire. I want to win this battle. I want to get this victory. I'm going to do what I need to do. But the whole time. He's stepping on the toes because it's like, you know, how did Hickabilly Thrawn over here get, you know, get the pirate and you took eight months to try to do it and you availed, you know, (laughs) and and that's kind of what I kept thinking the whole time, the way they're the way they're thinking about Thrawn, even though Thrawn, the way Mark Thompson makes him sound is like this intellectual thinker that has more of an imperial accent than even the empire imperials have you know it's like right it's it's interesting that dynamic i mean because eli the way the way mark thompson made eli vanto sound is almost like he'd have like almost like a midwestern uh how y'all doing today draw to him not even like a i'm not even talking like deep south you know i like the way i'm looking at the people uh, in the Empire, the way they're looking at Thrawn is that he's from like the Bayou and speaks, uh, you know, Creel or something. You know, it's like, no, <laughs> he's not. But that's the way they're looking at him because they're he's not from the center of the galaxy, so to speak. Right. But like I said, he's not actually breaking rules and protocols. He's just he's gaining victories. When it should be, and it's funny too because he even he even uh, attempts to uh, when they when they have the first big thing that happens where uh, they run into uh, the guy. Um, uh, oh man, what was he? What was he calling himself? Uh, it turns out to be Night Swan at the end of the book, but uh, when they first meet him, um, uh, I never can pronounce his name, but. Let me let me look it up and try to see. You guys remember who I'm talking about? Yeah, I the, all the names in this book. I will say, when you read them, they don't sound anything like what they he said. Um, and it's probably correct. It's just it's it, the names that they use. You're like, huh? Uh, is it uh, Navel Sin Sin Sinsi or Singani or something like that? Uh yeah, it's, yeah, I'm trying to remember it's, um it's spelled C Y G N I and he is he you find out oh, later he is he pronounces Night Swan. it Signy. Signy. That's Signy how is how it was pronounced, yeah. So we find out later that it's Night Swan. Um but uh so real quick, I'll just kind of break down real fast what happens there. So 
there there's a distress call for a fr- uh, for a transport cargo ship uh, Thrawn and a few people go to the transport cargo ship to try to unlock the ship and stuff like that and try to figure out what happened and because uh, they had to break what's called the static lock and the ship is hauling Tabana gas and uh, come to find out you know the only man aboard is this guy named Signy who Signy has played them. Uh, or sort of played them, because Signy's actually part of a pirate group. The pirate group uh, take and capture Thrawn, but Thrawn actually uses a buzz droid uh, to you know cut through the ship and stuff like that. So there's this whole race against time where they got to try to figure out where this drop-off point was that they were supposed to be getting dropped off at. Plus, where did they take? You know, where did where are they taking the Tabana gas? And uh, so. Because they were able to escape, they captured some of the pirates who were working the prisoner ship, and they're able to, you know, they're able to lay out a thing where they say, "Tell us where Signy is taking the Tabana gas, and we'll let you go. We'll give you, we'll give you a ship, and we'll just let you leave." My and Thrawn even says, "My suggestion is that you take it." Well, they decide they're going to converse upon, you know, converse uh, with themselves and. <laughs> Uh, but the language they're going to use to converse with themselves is Cybisti. Of course, Thrawn and Vanto, or and Eli Vanto, both know Cybisti. So they're like, Let, "We're going to spin them a web, a crate spit, and we're going to, you know, we're going to tell them that it's over here." But you know, blah blah blah. And they end up actually saying where it's actually at while they're speaking in Cybisti. Uh, so Thrawn is talking to the base commander who is like an admiral and you know he said uh this is my plan and he said you know the admiral's like well it's a risky plan and he said uh he said i don't i don't want you anywhere near the plan basically and the admiral was like excuse me i'm an admiral in the imperial navy you can't tell me what to do and you know and this is where it's interesting because eli vanto has this interesting job of trying to help him along and eli vanto's like sir i think what uh you know and, and Thrawn is just a lieutenant at this time, I believe, or a first lieutenant. And uh, he said, what I think Lieutenant Thrawn is attempting to do is shield you, sir, from any sort of blowback if this doesn't go the way it's supposed to go. And then the Admiral says, oh, I'm assuming and take any of the credit, which is kind of where you see that's where the fear of these of these people in power is not that right. any sort of blowbacks coming on them. I mean, they're an admiral. Look at how much blowback can really happen to an admiral. Right, and they can't. He's worried them. about the credit, and, right. and Thrawn's and, like, "I will give you the credit. I don't care about the credit." And they you know? can't fathom anybody not wanting to do it for the credit. Like they, which like they don't believe it. It, it, it and it is unbelievable because even in even even the way we would look at it. Like, oh, yeah, you don't want any credit? Uh-huh, sure. That's kind of like when people are like, I don't want to toot my own horn, and then they go toot their own horn. Right. You know, it's... Well, but again, it this it, it it's why Thrawn is such an interesting character, because you realize, I mean, throughout the Star Wars galaxy, you see the Empire has fall after fall because of... Of that, like, we would rather be, like, we would rather overlook something if it meant keeping our name, you know, right. Like, 
I would. You may have a good plan and all that, but if it makes me look bad, even if I know it's gonna work, it's it's not worth it to me because I don't want to look like my number one priority is not advancing the empire; it's advancing myself in the empire. Where Thrawn is just completely like he doesn't even understand why anybody would not like. It's kind of like he's he's. Which is probably what's so funny for Eli is he's constantly like, what? Like, he just can't fathom that somebody, that they're not all trying to advance the Empire. He just doesn't get that. Because he, you know, I guess, I don't know if it's just his kind of his race of people, but they just don't understand anything but just, you know, strategy and winning. So... Yep. Yeah, exactly. Yep. Well, and it's interesting politics. too the the way. Well, and the, that's the funny thing is Zach. I'm glad you just said politics because it brings me to a thought that the way Thrawn sort of became untouchable because he's not breaking any specific rules, right? He's. It's not like you know they're going to bring him up on court martial after court martial after court martial after review panel after you know what we would probably call captain's masses and everything so they're so Eli is the aide de camp to Thrawn throughout the entire book and uh it's interesting cuz one of the sort of quote unquote punishments that these people are able to do because they can't touch Thrawn specifically because he's not actually breaking rules and he's getting victories is they keep Eli from getting promoted, right? So Eli Vanto is stuck at the rank of Ensign for almost the majority of the book. Yeah. So he is stuck at the at the rank of Ensign for years when he should have been, you know, being promoted throughout that entire process. You know, so all these people who he's been serving with uh, and even even it comes back around to um, who we find out is a guy named Lieutenant uh, Lieutenant Gim, who is a tie uh, tie fighter pilot, and turns out that Lieutenant Gim is one of those one of those people that jumped uh, Thrawn and and Eli earlier on in the book that you spoke of that they got him moved to a. Uh, the fighter pilot training instead of getting, you know, brought up on charges and all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, they end up serving on the same ship together and Lieutenant Gim is like sort of rubbing it in Eli's face, you know, like sne- sort of a sneering, you know, ensign, you know, kind of thing. And uh, so it, it's it's interesting that that was how they attempted to hurt Thrawn is Thrawn is going to quickly... He's going to advance to the ranks every time there's a victory. I mean, he's like, boom, 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 boom. And and everybody in the Navy who's also resentful of that saying, you know, he's going to make he's going to make the rank of admiral within a few, you know, within a few years of him being in the Navy to, uh, at all. So, you know, it's going to be uh, more resentment on everyone's part. Um but it's kind of interesting because that's where the alliance of Arinda Price sort of plays in, into uh, Arinda. This whole book is doing doing all this scheming uh, to advance her own self. So she's just like any other typical imperial where 
uh, she's doing everything she can to, you know, better her standing in the empire, which she is important because she becomes the governor of the of the planet of Lothal, which Lothal is heavily where the show Rebels is going to be based. So you see, you see Arinda Price as the governor uh, of Lothal in in the show. Um, so kind of so this book sort of gives a backstory to her also. Um, this it, is very I interesting. I mean, it kind of it kind of sets up the whole Rebel story, really. Right, yeah. And that's why I wanted to do this book before we got into Rebels, because we did Ahsoka, we did New Dawn, and this one really sets the stage for Rebels, I think. Yeah. Um so Zach, what did you what do you think about like the issues with, with Eli before he finally is able to get promoted? Um I mean I I understood like why he was upset. I know that he kept thinking about like, man, if I could just go back to supply, you know, I could I wouldn't be um pretty much in a mess that that Thrawn like even though Thrawn was doing really good things, it was kind of ruining his career. Uh and and I kind of I kind of felt for him cuz like I, 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 while both his career was kind of getting trashed on because everyone, you know, they weren't really able to touch Thrawn as much, but they were able to pretty much, uh, I don't know, I, I guess that's how Eli was getting affected is that, um, you know, and I, I don't think Thrawn realized it at first because he was, I mean, Thrawn was going up in rank quicker than anyone, um, and had ever reached, you know, those ranks. They were just like, hey, you know what? Here's Lieutenant. Here, Here's a Grand Supreme Chancellor Commander Master Chief. <laughs> and uh, he's like, well, yeah, oh, he oh you've been in here for, what, of... one, two years? Well, that's the thing. I mean, he comes out of the Academy as a Lieutenant. And in fact, I mean, but that was actually the orders of the Emperor, was that he was to be a Lieutenant once he got out of the Academy. And, like, the uh, the commander of the academy didn't like that so much. Literally on the first day, he was like, "Might as well skip the you know skip the ceremony here and just hands him a, a rank plaque that is the lieutenant rank plaque." You know, yeah, it's kind of crazy because it uh, like it also kind of makes you kind of think about how meaningless it is to to some degree. Um, just. Hey, here, here, here's, here's this rank. Like it was that easy. Like here you go. Yeah. And it's like there, you know, there's a lot of people that, you know, if you're good at your job, you just move up. But it, it just seems different in that world. You know, it's, it's the fact. That, be, be, now it was working out for Thrawn just because he was, you know, four dimensionally smart. But for the most, for 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 others, it seemed like to reach these to really move up. It's not just about being really good at what you do, but it's knowing how to play the game, uh, play the game and who you are, who, you know, who you know, I guess that's know. true in a lot of places, not, you know, other than the military, you know, if you think about it, I mean, you know, it, there's some people who are just have, may have just, they may have really good soft skills, 
even though they may not be as good at their as good at what they do and that you know all about who you know like you said and that can work in your favor being a likable individual and not just being likable but having people that know who you are and that you're likable you know because you could be well, you could it. be a good guy and, and or just like a, a good person in, in general but if nobody really knows who you are that could work against you like, you know i'm I guess that they kind of, you know, it's applicable in a lot of situations in our life, which I find kind of interesting. You know what I find interesting is that the character for so so Thrawn is very good at his job. He's very smart, and, but he doesn't have the soft skills like you said, right? And that's why he needs people like Eli Vanto, who has the soft skills uh, and knows how to, how to play the game a little bit. Even though it's funny because like Eli knows how to play the game, but Eli can't smooth out the rough edges for Thrawn because Eli is also one of these wild space yokels. So he's not even respected in in normal society by the people who are in the Thrawn or halls of power, but also at the same time, you know, with him being stuck at that rank of of ensign the whole time, you know, it's like and because he is just an aide to another officer even though Eli himself turns out to be sort of brilliant in in a specific field. Um, you know, he he still has those. Uh, what did you say? So, soft traits or soft talents? Yeah, how how did you say soft that? Soft skills. Soft skills. But it's interesting because the character of Arinda Price, she's got the soft skills, and she's also good at what she does. Because if you think about it, she had the soft skills. You know, and, and of course, uh, she was sort of handed a little bit of a. Um, you know, because her family owned a uh, a price mining on Lothal, which price mining ended up, you know, getting basically, they got forced out of it uh, because the, you know, Empire was basically going to take over their mine. And, but Arenda took that opportunity to be like, I don't want to mine anyways. I want to go to Coruscant. So she is able to, you know, speak to the senator of the planet, Senator Ranking, and say, um, well, if the only option to get my mother out of out of jail is that we sell price mining to the empire, you know, you can, you know, I don't want to be, I don't want to work in a mine on Baton. I want to go to Coruscant. Can I work for you? You know, and so she goes to Coruscant, works for Senator Ranking in a citizen's assistance office, becomes very good at her job, you know, um, but the whole time she's making connections, right? Now, when we get to the part of the story where Arinda Price sort of falls on some hard time because of uh, a a guy named Moth Gotti, which did anybody else think of like, um, just like opulent excess when they heard Moth Gotti's name? <laughs> like, <laughs> I just thought of oh like, gosh. you know, uh, gold plated whatever you know just you know just uh you know i, I don't know cars and women and <laughs> moth gaudy you know i i don't know it's funny um so moth gaudy who is attempting to blackmail senator ranking blackmails arinda price into blackmailing senator ranking which then turns into arinda price obviously being fired and then she has to go take her soft skill of going to another assistance office to get assistance herself and realizing that 
the people who are doing their job at that office kind of suck. And she literally just like barges into the supervisor's office and she's like, look, I just spoke to Sally over there. Sally sucks at her job. Here's what I've done in my past. I'll work for free for this entire weekend. And if I do well, you fire her and hire me. <laughs> and the supervisor's just like, well, that's, well, you're pretty, you're pretty full of yourself. That's yeah, where sure. I started uh, hearing, that's where I started feeling like her, she went from like not recognizing who she was in the clone or in rebels for some reason. She went from good guy to bad guy right there. I was like, Oh, Oh, she, I like I thought she was going to be this just like protagonist, really nice, sweet character. And then all of a sudden that exchange happens. I'm like, oh, never mind. She's yeah, yeah. Well, it was like the, the moment like that taste of power hit. And I think they right. mentioned that like it wasn't just, oh, you got a promotion, but it was like the power that it came with. Right. It started to feel good. Yeah. Like right. Well, do... that's the thing because she had that taste of power, and then she sort of got knocked down the rung, you know. And and they talk about because Coruscant itself is the low. You know, they have the lower levels because the entire planet is a city, and or is a I forget what the term they use, like megaopolis or something like that. And um, so it's like you know, physically the more she rises in the levels of Coruscant, the closer to the, the ring of power she is. But also, uh, metaphorically, you know, her star is going to rise the entire book. Right. Uh, but she does go from being sort of a sympathetic character who, in my opinion, a sort of a sympathetic par- character who's using what's happening in her life to her advantage as much as possible to a outright... I'm going to scheme my way into the halls of power politics in the empire. And I don't care who I step on to get there, but I'm also going to take the people and use them for my advantage. You know? So when she approaches Thrawn and says, I can, you know, I can help you. uh, I can help you politically. If you can help me, you know, she's not doing it because, Oh, Thrawn, I think Thrawn's a good guy and I want to help him out. She's using him in order to, you know, accomplish her goals. Right. And she clearly, which I, just a side note, she clearly has no, like, where she went on full-on heel turn for me was definitely uh, with our, with our friend, uh, was it Drewy or Jerry? Jewy here. Jewy here, that's it. It's the weirdest name I, ever. Jewahir Madras. And, and I just want to tell my, my funny story that I think it's funny. I don't know if you guys did. but So you, we were talking about the, the voice actor for this book being just phenomenal. Well, this is an example of him being phenomenal. We, her voice... And and you know we've I've already upset so many people at the the top end of this conversation, but <laughs> I'm about to do it some more. Um, I or I, I literally <laughs> I sent a text message to Zach and Ryan reading when it was at the I think it was at the dinner when they when she meets Thrawn when and. Drewy's there, and she's just talking, and she's like, Arinda, I, I, I'm sorry, just real. And I, I'm like, 
I really want to smack this girl. She's a total beta. You know, oh, Miranda, I thought we were friends. Like, look, I understand that you guys might be friends, but you also have to understand that um, you kind of know that these games can be played and you always got to kind of be on your tiptoes. Not saying that you should expect somebody to just, you know, backhand you in such a disrespectful manner, but you definitely have to be, you have to be aware, at, at least... You know, it, you know, you got to kind of be watching your back, you know, like what, you know, sp- once you start approaching those higher ranks, um, and I mean, you've had to have seen it with others, right? I mean, it, it's not like, oh, this one person uh, achieved a certain rank. It's not like you've never heard stories of how they may have, uh, you know, beat down Gained the ones, a little bit. beat down the ones below them. Once you get that power, you know, exactly like that switch flip. And you're just like, you know, it's it's like, you know, in our mind, she's just has her arms reached out in front of her, just cackling away, thinking about all of the things that she can do, will do or or has done. Just ah, (laughs) and you're like, you know, it's not that serious. You can you can still. uh. You know, you, you can kind of get what you want, but, you know, it might also be beneficial to not, I don't know, screw over people who were close to you. I mean, Jua here, like, was there any, could you see any benefit to what Arenda did to Jua here for Arenda? Like, what was the benefit there? Was Jua here... Because during that exchange where she was putting her under arrest, it seemed like it seemed like there was an interesting reason for it. Like as if Arenda was both trying to get what she wanted, but also not completely screw over Jua here. But it also seemed like uh, it came out of nowhere, and Jew and and almost as if Arenda was thinking that Jua here would have done the same to her or it was in some way, uh, I don't know, talking behind her back or something. I, I don't know. Like I, I kind of didn't understand some of Arinda's reasoning. Like she was saying, she was saying like, Oh, uh, you know, you were going to, I, I can't remember exactly what she said, but she was, she seemed to be accusing Jua here of not being a true friend. And I thought maybe that there was evidence to back it up. Like, oh man, she snuffed out Jua here. She's going to get it. Uh, but I guess that didn't seem to be the case. What What do you think? What, what are your thoughts on that? Um, I, it, it did kind of come out of left field a little bit when, when, Arinda had you here arrested. Um, so at this point, like, like, uh, uh, Arinda is working for the advocate. So, so she did the whole, like, I'll work for free. And then you fire that lady. And then, uh, you know, you fire that lady and I'll take her job because I'm so good at it. And then, so she's working for this office. Well, then Jua here, and I can't remember the other, the guy's name, I think Driller or something like that, um, is which, who they had met before. 
Uh, Driller works for, yeah, I think it's Driller. Uh, Driller works for an advocacy group called Higher Skies, which, um, so it was one of those like, hey, Arinda, or excuse me, how, how did he say it? Arinda, Arinda can work for <laughs> Higher Skies because there's availability, but the reason they want Arinda to work for Higher Skies is because she has a lot of ins with a lot of different people because she used to work for Senator Ranking, right? So it's always, hey, give, you know, use these kind of data pads and all that kind of stuff to, you know, sort of take information. So the thing was, is uh, Jua here was working with Driller and and Higher Skies, not officially, um, to sort of cultivate certain things or certain relationships with people and blackmail them into... Uh, because Jua here was work, it was a combat instructor, and she was working for a dojo who was helping train um, bodyguards for senators and senators' aides and all that kind of stuff. And they were sort of brainwashing people to be like, "Here's the evils of the empire, and go spy on your bosses." Well, then it turns out that one of the one of the brainwashed bodyguards ended up killing a senator. And that's where the whole thing sort of crashed down. But Arinda, before all that happened, had brought all the inf- all the evidence of everything to the ISB. Uh, and then uh, we had... So, so basically it was one of those... Arinda was just upset when she found out that, you know, she believed in the Empire and she wanted to be a part of the Empire. She couldn't believe that her friends were wrapped up in all this illegal activity and illicit activity and that, uh, you know, that's why she was having her arrested. Um, and that's also why she sort of was like, oh, I can't believe my my friend. And then, you know, and then it was very uh, comical. And Dustin, I think you had a point about this when Mark Thompson said, uh, you know, like the uh, the uh, Arinda, and uh, so uh, Dustin, uh, what did you think about that part? You said there was something comical there. Well, it's just a. I actually had a funny story, um, and be, I if, I don't know if you guys remember this. And like I said, I uh, earlier on, I've already made a lot of people upset. I'm sure. So this is just gonna keep that going. Um, <laughs> but I I thought it was really. I sent you guys a text message um, saying with Jui, I, I, or whatever her name is, how I just wanted, because his voice acting was so good, I just wanted to smack her in the face. And it was it was primarily when she came to the office to check up on Arinda, and it uh, basically... Uh, she was like, well, I'm going to be working late and all this. And what she was really doing was investigating their whole thing, you know. And uh, so <laughs> when when she did, she the, just the way she was talking and complaining, I'm like, oh, I just want to smack her in the face. And then you guys were talking about earlier the her going down into the districts. And turns out she ends up getting, when she goes down there, Jewy ends up saving her and beating the crap out of these three guys. And I was like, or maybe it was four guys. 
And I remember I immediately, like five minutes later, just sent you a text. I said, never mind. She would just destroy me. <laughs> because, like, like, I said that just because she sounded like this annoying, like, quintessential um, Starbucks Instagram girl. Starbucks? <laughs> 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 like the Instagram, look at my latte girl. That's what I heard. And then yep. all of a sudden she just dominates these dudes. And I'm like, oh, never mind. I should not slap her in the face. She would kill me. <laughs> well, not only does she like dominate these dudes, but she, uh, oh, that was the other reason that she was upset with, uh, with or that Arinda was upset with her was because do you guys remember the bodyguard who was actually down there with her when she's like dominating these guys or whatever? And she's like, uh, like the guy walks up and was like, uh, you know, not to, I wasn't trying to be rude, but she told me not to get involved, you know, that way, uh, <laughs> you know, that way, like he could stay, uh, in an, or anonymous. Yeah. And, and because so it, it's like, he didn't want to not fill only, out paperwork. Because <laughs> yeah, he'd have, he'd have to fill out paperwork, and she was like, "Oh, I got this. I don't have to fill out paperwork. I can just kick ass and take names, and you can just stand there and watch, but jump in if I need you." But she didn't need him, um, right? And <laughs> so this, it is. Like that I is said, kind of funny. It in and maybe I got maybe it was just the voice, but to me, that's like every stereotype, every stereotypical blonde uh, Starbucks. Oh yeah, because I remember girl. exactly like when you're saying that. I'm 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 remembering when we were listening to the book and uh, they were going to what they called like an Ascension Week party. Yes, and they were just and like Arinda was like, you know, uh, oh man, you know what what do we have to do or whatever? And she's like, she and, and you were here is just like, don't worry, your whole part is taken care of as long as you get us into as many parties with the you know, with the with the most powerful people, then you can stay with us for free. You know? Exactly. <laughs> it was like, and that's exactly the way that Mark Thompson made her sound, which made her a quite annoying. But uh, but there, I remember there was also a a scene where because her and uh, Arinda and Joa here were working or living together, and you know Arinda called her on a com, and she's just like. Hey, I'm running a little late, so I, I really can't wait to have whatever you're making because I'm just exhausted. <laughs> you know, it's just like <laughs> so it might or, have been. Or when she said she wanted a roommate, and she goes, "Yes, because sometimes I just like to come home and have somebody cook for me." <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and you're just so. Like... So that's that's very interesting to to note that. Reading a book versus like reading it without anybody narrating versus the audio book, like you know, that you can get from Audible, <clears throat> like you're getting yeah, exactly uh, audibletrial.com slash ROTM radio. Um, <laughs> it, it's interesting because you can have reactions to characters, whether the whether the uh author intended you to have that action or that reaction to the character or not. By the voice that the voice actor is putting on them, right? You know, so and <laughs> like I, did, I mean, I seriously sent you guys a message. I was like, I don't hit women, but I want to hit her. <laughs> he did, he did. I can. <laughs> and I, I was I like, even if that. it takes me paying my wife to hit her, I want, 
I mean, that's kind of like the voice her. that Mark Thompson. Remember when we were talking about a new dawn, and, and we were talking about that character Skelly, and I uh, kept saying like he he reminds me of some like he reminds me of Chorborn from Overwatch because, but at the same time, Gilbert Godfrey like <laughs> <laughs> like that yes because that's sort of how he was sounding. So it is interesting, but uh uh, but yeah, Zach, that was there was there was a lot that you know. Like, Arinda gets set up by the person who she met from Juahir, and Juahir had, like, set them up knowing who that person was. And, of course, once again, like, you know, Arinda's now romantically involved with this person that she got set up by her best friend with, who turns out to be working for Moth Gotti. <laughs> the same guy who sprayed spice on her in order to get her to blackmail uh, Senator Ranking. Um, so it's it's interesting because... <laughs> it's oh, man. a small world after all. <laughs> I do want to say... Um, so, I mean, we've been, we've been talking a lot about the themes in the book. And, I, and I've sort of... I, this is going to be one of those... Or, these two episodes are definitely going to be uh, the listeners are going to need to read the book in order to get a lot of the context of what we're talking about. But I've enjoyed these. I've been enjoying these sort of uh, conversations about these characters instead of the storyline, basically. Um, I've definitely enjoyed this. That's the beauty of audible. They can go and get this book and read it. And we've just teased. We've just tickled the, their fancies just a little bit <laughs> just enough uh, just, just enough, enough. <laughs> uh one other thing though before we sort of wrap up and of course if you guys have anything else that you want to uh that you're really dying to talk about uh let me know in our chat uh but one other thing i, I sort of wanted to allude to that i thought was very interesting was uh what happens if you have an explosion Inside of a planet or inside of a bubble shield or an energy shield that's covering like a neighborhood. I don't know. Dun, dun, apparently dun. a lot of bad stuff. Yeah. So apparently if you're ever in the Star Wars universe and you are living in a place that has a shield over the top of where you're living that is keeping orbital bombardment from happening. Don't store all of your explosives and munitions underneath the shield. <laughs> no. Because if that blows up, the explosion will be trapped inside the shield, which will direct all the energy back down onto the ground <laughs> and literally burn everything to a crisp. Pretty much. And also never trust Arinda Price. Right. <laughs> there, there it is. 100%. There's the truth. <laughs> like she, she straight up, she straight up goes from like you, you think she's a good guy, and at the end, she's destroying, she's blowing things up, blaming civilians, lying to her parents, like about those civilians, um, and still getting off scot free. Which, like you said, is kind of a weird parallel to, to Thrawn, but... And also, when Thrawn sort of... He never, like, directly says, I think you have something to do with the murder of hundreds of people. But... But... 
Oh, he like and and she's like, you know what? I'm gonna stop you right there because you need to understand this is how the game is played. You need me. I need or you know you need me to do things for you. So shut up and do what I say. And he's just kind of like, all right, I guess. Because he he has no choice in the matter. <laughs> like it's, it's like she she is in her own right a badass. Yeah. Who probably doesn't care about anybody. Well, and this is the funny thing. So, and you know, going back to my little story. So, think about how like the Jewy girl you would think would be tough to just take down. And she just took her down like it was nothing. Like, I mean, totally destroyed her, had her in prison the rest of her life, and, you know, arrested for espionage, essentially, and helping with that. And, like, this is a girl who could wipe, like, literally destroy people. And you would have thought in that moment, like, you would but she just... She, again, her transformation from the very beginning of the girl I thought she was to Governor Price, uh, it was it was quite the uh, turn for, well, I, you know, like you said, it's not even this, I mean, it is the worst because as a fan, ultimately, we're rooting against the Empire, most likely, um, but you know, for her, like, it's just crazy. It's. For sure. Yeah. And you think, uh, I mean, she does some pretty ruthless things in this book, but wait until you see some of the ruthless things she's going to do in Rebels. Yeah, I, I, I'm starting to see it. I, yeah, I think you're, I think you're trying to trick me. Like, she's probably going to turn all nice. <laughs> so. One of the uh, one of the, one other thing too that I just I just want to lay this out here for anybody, and, and this is this is sort of a here's the reason why you should care about the expanded universe of Star Wars or any sort of any sort of fandom that you are in into. Here's why you should care about the expanded universe and the nuance and and the context of everything is this book, this character in you know as Thrawn in my opinion, I would classify Thrawn as a good imperial. This kind of story is going to give you the nuance of what are the people who make the empire turn, the everyday people who are working uh, in the Imperial machine, not the people at the very top, but the normal day-to-day people, the normal, the random, you know, military person who, you know, is just serving, is not making the calls, is not making the judgment calls. They can be good people with noble goals, just like I've said with people who, some of the people who joined the Rebel Alliance are criminals, thugs, and terrorists. You know, it's not always black and white. It's not, there's a lot of shades of gray. Uh, I'd say about 47 of them. And <laughs> there's, <laughs> sorry, I couldn't resist. Um, but Thrawn, in my opinion, is a good Imperial. Uh, Arinda Price, I would say, 
is is your typical average imperial who whether she does good things or bad things is only looking out for herself um and that's that's fairly typical for what we see right. of the imperials you know but you're going to see people like Eli Vanto who is just trying to stop piracy uh Thrawn same thing he's doing whatever he can to make sure that the people that are living in the empire are secure and that they're safe. You know, he's taking on, he's taking on pirates and stuff in order for commerce to make sure that it can run smoothly. He's doing what's best for the empire in his mind, the empire as a community, not empire as in Palpatine and his grand schemes. So real quick. And before, before we believe all of the rebel propaganda that is placed in front of us, know that sometimes, because as soon as the Rebel Alliance is able to beat Palpatine, guess what? Guess what spikes out of control? Crime and piracy and the slave trade. Even though the Empire also used slaves, and we see that come into conflict uh, in this book, these are things. These are bad things that happened when the quote-unquote good guys took over as well. So it's not always good and bad. It's bad for the people who are affected one way or the other. You know, when the when the Empire is involved, we see a lot of bad things happening to rebels, but then you see a lot of bad things happening to uh, ex Imperials when the when when the rebels win as well. So it's not always it's not always the way we seem. Star Wars is very interesting. It could be good or bad from a certain point of view. Maybe. That's why I love it. That's my that's my call to, you know, study the expanded universe, everyone. <laughs> Do it. Do it. Enjoy this stuff. Yes, sir. Justin, Zach, do you guys have any final thoughts on the book? Well, so I'll say coming into it, um, uh, I wasn't sure. I enjoyed the book, but it definitely wasn't what I thought. Um because a lot of it based around the the politics the that like the the ins and outs of the imperial hierarchy and uh you know Thrawn isn't just a saber wielding you know uh force to be reckoned with for lack of a better term you know he's he's vulnerable um and he uses his wits to get where he needs to go to achieve his ends so uh again like wasn't expecting that because everything i've known about star wars even in ahsoka you know it was about somebody who has abilities and it just has something that they're really good at uh fighting wise um so it was interesting seeing someone use their mind and not jedi mind tricks but you know, dealing with the invariability of human behavior. Well, mostly human behavior. Um, and uh, and studying, you know, his throat tightens. He relaxes his throat. It was uh, part of the narration of him observing people talking. I was like, that's... It was kind of weird at first, because I'm like, they're really going into him studying 
<laughs> him looking at people and figuring out what they're doing and why. But that's pretty much my thoughts. It was pretty good. Sweet. Uh, so, I first of all, I just would like to say that um, all week I've been kind of pretending to Ryan acting like I hate this book just because I know it's like his favorite topic. So I just wanted to <laughs> you jerk make you think I was going to come into it and crap all over this book. But I actually really enjoyed the book. Um, I will say, so for me, and I did say this to off off air, but um, I am I am usually not like. If it's between Spider-Man and Batman, I'm the... Or I'm sorry, Superman and Batman, I am the Superman fan. Um, and while I'd, I'd say I'm not... I'm the norm, it seems like more and more everybody else is the Batman fan now. So I'm actually... I feel like I'm in the minority. But I've, I always like, you know, in our Disney draft, uh, I picked Thor because he was a god. He wasn't a, a man with special powers. I always like the strongest. I always like the, uh, I don't know. I just like, I, the nuance characters are cool, but give me the, give me the, the ones that have all the power and authority. I just think their stories are like in star Wars, Anakin Skywalker is my favorite character because he's the most powerful, you know, character perceived in the story, even though, you know, there's debate about that. All that being said, typically, if it's a non-Force Shielder user, I'm not as interested. I just, I'm not, like, it's it's great backstory, like you said, I'm with you. I love extend, extended fiction about, you know, random characters, but I usually... It's like, who is the Force wielder I can gravitate to? Even if they're not a main Star Wars character, as long as they're a Force wielder, I love them. And uh, and so for me, I, I honestly did think that I would be a little less interested in Thrawn. Um, but I did really enjoy, because of what you were saying, Zach, kind of the listening to him size up every person knowing like I, I thought that was a really interesting way to write the book it it did make him and again a lot of people I'm assuming have not read this and and you know we've not done an amazing job of giving you the context of the book which like I said you need to read yourself but throughout like we said the whole book he's he's sizing people up and it you get in kind of into his mind and uh, I really appreciated that. That's a it's a really cool concept. I can honestly say, if he would not have done that, I probably would not have cared for this book. Um, just because, to me, the nuance of the empire and the political part of it just just does not interest me. Give me, give me a force battle with the nuance of force wielders. Give me the space magic all day, and I'm good with it. So to me, I was glad he did that because that made me really sink into Thrawn's character, and and it kind of saved, I think, the story for me. But uh, I because of that, I really enjoyed the book. 
Hmm. Excellent. Uh, I think it's almost the way you the way you guys were talking was. Uh, I think the Thrawn takes on a Sherlock Holmes esque type of yes. character arc. Uh, you know, especially especially the way they've done the uh, the movies with uh, was it Robert Downey Jr. as uh, as Sherlock Holmes, where you could see like he's thinking these moves five steps ahead and then and then like they in the movies they slow it down and they're like you know you know right hand extending towards throat block with left arm tiger claw all that kind (laughs) of yeah and like so it's very very similar the way that timothy zahn actually wrote this and and what i would what i would suggest is that uh if if thrawn interests you um even though I sort of interchanged Thrawn canon versus legends, but if understanding that he's not the exact same character because it's not the it's not the same universe technically because you know they have legends which is his own universe supposedly and and canon. I think if you were to read this book the way the way this book is written and get the nuance like you said of how he's thinking and the way he's observing than every other Thrawn book, if you sort of think about Thrawn the same way you think about him in this book, every other Thrawn book's going to make a little more sense. He's going to be a little less godlike and a little more a strong intellectual intellectual thinker. And I sort of like thinking of him that way. And, and to your point, uh, Dustin... One of my favorite Star Wars movies so far is actually Rogue One, and the only Force user thing that happens in that movie is when Darth Vader gets locked in a in a oh, tunnel with a few beautiful? mortal people. <laughs> and I loved every aspect of the struggle of the normal person who <laughs> is living in a world or a universe where there are these extraordinary people who are these these super people right you know uh the the normal man's story within this larger story is is uh, in my in my opinion very cool and And to your point i'm a batman fan and superman can suck it (laughs) that's amazing and so (laughs) i like that you i like that you made that correlation he won't but Still, um, and and let me just just say one one real quick, and maybe I I'm backpedaling a little bit. I one of my I, I think in the Halo universe, my favorite story is a is the story of a random ODST Marine who wakes up from an operating table on some random ship, and it's a short story, and basically. Long story short, he has to go through a whole process of staying alive just to get himself killed to to blow up his ship. Like, he has to manually get his ship to blow up so that way he can save the Covenant from coming to Earth. And the only wet place that it's even mentioned in... Like, even not even a game, but a proper book is his ship is just mentioned in a book as an offshoot. So he's such a random, obscure character, but what he does actually greatly, I guess, 
changes without his sacrifice the whole universe is a different universe which is such a cool concept to me and so you know it and that's what you know characters like eli reminded me of um you know you see different characters in these books the star wars the extended fiction where you're like this person is just a throwaway this that whatever but the gravity of what they do is all throughout all the movies all throughout all of the the major tv shows um you may not even know that they're there but it's something they did that you know and i love when universe writers tag this from this and 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 they they're like only if you read that book like if you didn't read the book you won't even know that it is a tag to a book but it's like wink wink remember that <laughs> and so exactly it, it's it is it is awesome when they do those kind of things um but still anakin is greater than uh thrawn and superman greater than batman and that being said, uh, all of you listeners, remember, you know, you're not a throwaway character. You're awesome. Zach, do you have any shout outs? <clears throat> no, I'm good. All right, Dustin, shout outs. What a, what a powerful moment. <laughs> no, I'm good. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Uh, shout out my wife and daughter. Um, and uh, shout out to them for just putting up with my COVID-ridden self. Um, uh, I want to shout out uh, Zach's wife. And I want to shout out... Actually, I'll shout out both of y'all's wives for some great <laughs> Halo yesterday. That was a lot of fun. Uh, I want to shout out Ben again for being on next week. Um, and really all you listeners, everybody that uh, uh, listens to us. And then, of course, just my wonderful co-host who I love talking nerd stuff with so much. Thank you. I appreciate that. Uh, it's awesome. I'm going to quickly uh, shout out uh, you as well, Dustin, Zach. You guys are both awesome. Thanks for nerding out with me. And uh uh, this has been an enjoyable couple episodes, and I appreciate it. And I'm also going to shout out my family, who my daughter right now is trying to break down my door uh, to my office. So I think this is a good ending spot. So uh, thank you so much, everybody, for listening. Be on the lookout. Like I said, we won't have a episode next week, but be on the lookout for uh, Zach and Dustin taking over for a few weeks while I uh, focus on some life stuff and... Uh, yeah, so we'll be we'll be putting out what those are going to be. Uh, thank you so much, everybody, for listening once again. May your best yesterdays be your worst tomorrows. And remember, don't shake the mic. Horrenda!